there is a real disconnect right now between the values that I was raised on, that heritage I'm so proud of, and the current climate. Um, And I really, I personally had started seeing some of this maybe going on for the last five years. And then I think it really unfortunately culminated in the infamous July 15th Um, board meeting. Hello again. Welcome back to the ACE Pod, a production of the Association of Clovis Educators. Thank you for joining us for our discussion on this episode with veteran psychologist Tamara Somali. Tamara has been around Clovis Unified her entire life and has been at the fore of our psychology services for the last quarter century. Tamara, Welcome to the Ace Pod. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Jason. Yeah, of course. Okay, so let's just uh, start with a couple minutes about your journey to Clovis Unified and then kind of your journey within Clovis Unified. Okay, great. So like many of our Ace members, I'm actually a product of Clovis Unified. Three generations. My mom was the first generation um, that went through Clovis. And then she also was a teacher for Clovis Unified. She taught for 23 years at Tarpey Elementary. And then when um, Cedarwood opened, she went and did another eight years there before she retired. So, um, you know, that that was the first generation, then I obviously went through Clovis Unified Schools. I was able to go through Tarpey and Clark and Clovis High, and I'm very much a proud cougar. You know, we came from the old school where we still, those of us that are cougars, believe that we are the true Clovis High School. So I'm very happy um, with my heritage in Clovis and obviously wanted my kids Um, my son to go through Clovis Unified as well. And he was in the first charter school. He was the first one, they called it charter class, the first class to go kindergarten through sixth grade at Maple Creek. Then he was at Kastner and then he was at uh, Clovis West. So three generations. I never planned to work here in Clovis Unified. Not that I had anything against Clovis Unified. However, I started my career in clinical psychology. So I worked um, at Cedar Vista Psychiatric Hospital in the Children and Adolescents Ward. And I loved my job there. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But what I was seeing is that managed healthcare was not allowing kids to stay inpatient in the hospital long enough for us to really do the work we needed to do. And so then we were releasing them back and trying to support them indirectly after release back into the schools. And um, I just started thinking there's a better way to do this. And thank goodness my clinical supervisor was very supportive and he helped me improve. Um, in approaching the district. And I actually came to the district, I think it was probably 1994 as a consultant. And I helped the district actually start to create um, 
intervention programs and I was doing crisis counseling and things for that for the district and it was just a way to really continue to help kids but to be a lot more hands-on and to be able to be a lot more proactive rather than reactive in the hospital. And then from there, I was approached and asked if I would be interested in pursuing a position in school psychology. And at that point, I really was ready because I was noticing my background was in family systems and cognitive behavioral therapy. And I was noticing that some of the students just couldn't benefit from cognitive behavioral therapy. And I really wanted to know more about why that was. And so going back to school and getting my school psych credential really helped me better understand um, the brain and learning and processing disorders. And so that was just a great addition to my repertoire, I felt. So I've actually been a school psychologist for the district since 1996. I've had the privilege of working with every age group, um, birth, because we did have a birth to three program, which was our CHAPS program. So I've worked with every age birth to age 22 in our adult programs. I've worked with every population of students with the exception of deaf and hard of hearing. I have had deaf and hard of hearing students, but I haven't worked in a deaf and hard of hearing program. However, other than that, I've worked in all of the programs. And about 15 years ago, I've had students with autism my entire career, but 15 years ago, I was fortunate to um, work in our first one through three program and opened our first four through six program. And that was really exciting. And in this past 15 years, we've gone from having two elementary programs to now we have 39 programs ranging preschool all the way through high school. And then we'll be opening more programs um, next year. So when I started that, I realized, wow, my clinical psych master's degree and my school psychology master's degree has not equipped me to work with these individuals with autism. And I just felt like if I'm going to really help them, I need more training. And that at that point, I went ahead and became a board certified behavior analyst. And that's really allowed me to have a better understanding of how to meet the needs of that very specific population. It's also with my experience with working with autism programs, I've been able to kind of create my own position within the district, which we have something called the autism consultation team. Um, I oversee that. We have a psychologist. We have a behavior. Oh, we have two psychologists that are both behavior analysts. We also have a speech therapist and we have a teacher on special assignment. And our role is to support our 39 autism programs, as well as to support all students in our district that have autism. So they could be in a general education classroom. So if you had a student with autism and perhaps needed to know best how to kind of, you know, I'm having difficulty reaching them or adapting the curriculum, et cetera, um, that's our job. We come out and we work with teams across the district to help ensure that our students with autism are being as successful as possible in whatever type 
of educational environment they're in. So that's been a really uh, a huge blessing for me. Wow, there's a there's a lot there. So you know, like um, number one, right? You know, kind of um, just so many of us in ACE, right, have kind of these really deep roots. And um, man, I think uh, you might be the third or fourth teacher that was kind of the second generation, um, you know, kind of employee of the district, which is exactly. really amazing, right? And just kind of mm-hmm. this kind of deep connection to to kind of Clovis Unified? It is a very deep connection and it's definitely a heritage. I mean, it, it, it really is. And I'm very proud of that heritage. I received an amazing education in Clovis Unified and I'm very grateful for that. Um, Although I hadn't originally started out to be working in the schools, I was very grateful to be able to come back to Clovis Unified and serve the kids in Clovis Unified, because I do think that um, we have the best educators. And I experienced that firsthand as a student. And I definitely experienced that when my son was a student in Clovis Unified. So it was somewhere I was very proud to work. Yeah. Um, And then where did you do your kind of your undergrad? So I did my undergrad at Fresno State and and I majored in psychology and child development. And then I actually moved abroad and studied abroad and I studied cross-cultural aspects of child rearing. And um, that was a phenomenal experience. But while I was overseas, I worked in the business industry. So um, I hadn't planned to come back to the U.S., but part of the decision in coming back to the U.S. was having my son be educated here and definitely being educated here in, in Clovis Unified. So once I was back here, I was able to continue to pursue um, my education in psychology, and I you know, pursued that. I went to Fresno, I went to Fresno Pacific, and then later I went and did my um, applied behavior analysis at the University of Northern Texas. So, Wow, that's, that's quite the journey. Where were you abroad? <laughs> uh, overseas, we lived in Indonesia. Wow. So my that's where my son's father and all of their family is from, but it just happened that they were going through... Um, Actually, they were going through a civil war at the time, so it was very dangerous, and we knew we were going to have to leave. So we had been looking at different places to move, and I just thought, oh, no, if if we can't be in Indonesia where friends and family are, then we're coming back to the United States, and we're coming back to Fresno because I want my son in Clovis Unified. Wow, that's amazing. So, and then, I mean, it kind of sounds like you were also, you know, at at, from the beginning of your career in Clovis Unified, kind of at the like the beginnings of a lot of things, is that a fair characterization? I would definitely see. I would say that our district has changed so much. Even in our psychology group, I think when I was hired, we might have had twenty people, and that was probably pushing it. And now we're approaching close to eighty psychologists. So even that in itself is very different, but. Yeah, I've been able to watch this district really grow. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, so like, you know, there, there's you, right? That It seems like you're not 
connected to a site. Is that correct? No. So um, I was blessed in my career to be at many different sites. Um, and I loved all the sites I was at. However, this work has made it even more global in the sense that I'm district wide. So I can go to any school site, any program site, including general education. Every day is different. So um, that's been nice. There's, there's something about having your core team and your core site that I miss, but then there's something also amazing about being able to collaborate with all different types of people that has its advantages as well. Yeah. Different, different sites, different kind of, kind of site cultures and, you know, different, mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That does sound exciting. What do you have like a, a home, like an office or something at the... Yes, my office is at the Professional Development Building in the actual, I think they still call it kind of the psychologist offices. However, really, there's only myself and my supervisor in there now. So, um, but yeah, I have a little home okay. base. Yeah. And I'm going to be there, though, because in order to do my job, I need to be out and about, so... All right, so then, you know, kind of what are some of the other kind of positions for kind of psychologists out there. Like, so I know at Clovis East, we have a, a couple, you know, school psychs. And then, you know, what other kind of services, I guess, do we offer? Well, so our school psychs have a huge role. So we have school sites that are at comprehensive sites, such as Clovis East, and you have a couple of different psychologists. And then we have psychologists that are also working in mental health positions. And those positions are rather new this year. And so they're taking on a little bit more of the mental health side of school psychology. Um, and then we also have program psychologists. So I know at Clovis East, you have various programs, whether it's a functional life skills program. I know you have um, our intervention programs. So each of those programs, and you also have autism programs, Clovis East and Rayburn both have an autism program. So each of those program types also have a psychologist that are linked to them and provide specific services for those students. And do all the, you know, comprehensive high schools have kind of their own dedicated psychs then? Yes, most, most of our high schools have at least five days of psych time. And I think it's actually more because you usually have two psychologists and they usually overlap a day. So you might be allocated at six days a week and that's why you need two people. Right. And then what about kind of the elementary sites? So elementary sites have their own dedicated psychologist, and I think their base time is like two days a week, um, which is a little difficult to get all their job done in two days a week, but that's their allocation. Okay. And then, you know, are we missing any, you know, any anybody in the psych world? Well, um, the other thing that we have is we do have our um, City Kids program and we have our PACT team, which is the preschool assessment team. So we have two psychologists that their job is to do all the preschool assessments for um, our district. So any child before age four, they do all the assessments and that is a very heavy caseload for them. All right. Okay. So a lot of different. And if I've got any of my colleagues, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, there's a lot of them, right? And they're, they're, there are a lot of them, and we do a lot, a lot of, of things. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for those, you know, kind of 80 or so folks, right, that, you know, kind of what do you see are some, you know, kind of issues that, you know, unionization might help with? Well, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, and I, I kind of feel that I have multiple reasons and multiple ways I believe that they'll help us. So I, in preparing for this, I was trying to think if I were to summarize all the concerns I have, what would be the underlying theme? And I think the underlying theme is that somehow we've created a climate of I really feel it's a climate of disrespect mm. and it has impacted our psychologist in many ways. It impacts our role. It impacts um, the work that we do, not just the role, but the type of work that we do. And it, it just impacts the climate that we're working in and there is a real disconnect right now between the values that I was raised on, that heritage I'm so proud of, and the current climate. Um, and I really, I personally had started seeing some of this maybe going on for the last five years. And then I think it really unfortunately culminated in the infamous July 15th um, board meeting. And I remember watching that meeting and my phone was blowing up. I was on text threads and we were watching that meeting. And I know for me personally, the most damaging and dehumanizing thing you can do to an individual is to invalidate their reality, their experience. And I felt that meeting was a blatant example of how the employees in our district, the educators in our district, our reality was totally um, devalued and discounted. We were told, you know, you're safe to come back to work, even though if you're watching what's happening in the world and what's happening in the United States, you know, disregard the science, you're safe to come back. And then when we kind of push back on that, because all of us were very fearful for our safety and the safety of our families, we were discounted once again by being told that, you know, you must not care for kids. If you're not willing to put kids first, then you just must be lazy. And it was so disheartening because the educators in Clovis Unified, nobody works harder than the educators here. No one cares more about kids or works harder for kids. And to be discounted, our, our fears and our concerns to be discount, discounted, and then to be devalued as if we are just lazy and don't want to come back to um, work was a real shift. And I think I had been experiencing some of that in our department and I had been hoping, oh, this is a special ed thing. It's not also a general education thing. And then that meeting, it was just like, oh no, it is just 
a climate thing right now and a, and a climate that I just don't see my young colleagues being able to create a career. I'm very fortunate. I'm 25 years in, but when I'm looking at these amazing young professionals that I'm seeing, I don't know how they can continue to work in this climate. And um, I think it was definitely that day do this anymore. Um, but I'm also not one to just take care of myself because, hey, it was July. I still could look for a different job and not come back. But then that leaves everybody else. And it doesn't help this heritage that I really believed in. You know, it was like, I don't know how we got so off course, but we need to correct that. We need to get back on course and we need to get back to those true values that I think that our district really adhered to for the majority of, you know, my adult life, you know? So. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the, I, I love kind of how you put this, right. The kind of this dehumanization that comes with kind of, um, you know, devaluing kind of our experience and discounting kind of our, our, our reality. You know, how did, you know, you kind of mentioned that you've kind of been noticing this for, you know, you know, several years now and July 15th was just, and this is a date we've talked a lot about on the podcast, but, you know, how did that pre-COVID, how did that kind of, how did that manifest that? So how it manifested, and I can only speak really for the psychology group because I saw it more within that group, but it started out with you know, we've always had a very diverse role with site-based management. You know, our roles all look a little different and that's okay. That's, that's one thing about Clovis that's unique. And I think for myself and most of my colleagues, we kind of like having a diverse role, but it started with that little bit of disrespect in the sense that we started kind of having outside groups of people make decisions about what our role was with no input from us. So it was just starting with little things like that. And of course, you want to think what's going on here. Is this our just our group? Um, I think many of us were feeling that, you know, we're professionals. We spend a lot of time in school doing what we do, and our job is very important. And majority of what our job is, other people can't do it. So why are we being treated this way? But then on that meeting, it was just like, oh, it's not us. It's just everybody. And then I think... It did get a little worse for the psychologists as well, because we were the first people who were being called to come back as of August. We were told you will come back and you will do in-person assessments of students. And we were really concerned about that because it was not just being back in person, but how do we even do our assessments with fidelity because our test measures weren't standardized that way. And, and we were often told, well, you're smart, you'll figure it out. And I just thought, wow, you're asking us to do something very important that frightens us for our safety and our welfare. But we're also worried about the long-term legal ramifications right. of this. And we're getting zero support. 
And uh, yeah, so it just kind of built and built and built from there, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of seems like the July 15th board meeting was this kind of final embrace from the district of just this kind of top-down culture that seems to have been kind of growing over the last, you know, and I came back in 2015, I was gone for 10 years, but I can sense it just kind of coming and coming. And then July 15th just seemed to be kind of the coming out day of, yeah, this is, this is kind of what we are. Is that kind yeah. of what you're. Yes, that was definitely my experience. And, and I have to say it, it was very shocking for me, I think, because it was such a dichotomy to the heritage that I remembered. And it, psychologically, it really, it, it was a lot to process because I suddenly felt so naive. Like, okay, how did I not recognize this for what it is? Or has it really changed? And if it really changed, why did it change? And what are we going to do to make this better? I don't want it to be like this. I want it to be the heritage that I remember. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's like why we're here, right? Because we know it has the potential, you know, kind of in our, our documents, right? We talk about Clovis being the best or having the potential to be the best place in, in, the, in the nation to kind of teach and to learn and, and to work. And, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. So, Tamara, you know, why are you signing the union support petition? And this may sound contradictory to some people, but I'm signing it because I really love Clovis Unified. And I love what it was. But we are not currently what we were. And I want us to be the best again. I want us to continue to be able to recruit and maintain the best educators in the nation. I truly do. Yeah, I don't think that's contradictory at all. And I think, um, you know, kind of the, the, the group of teachers like yourself that have those kind of deep roots, that to a person, that's kind of what they say. They love this place and they want it to live its values and they want it to be what they remember it to be and what the you know, the potential that it has to be. So Tamara, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, welcome back. Every episode, of course, we want to end by celebrating and honoring the students we serve. So Tamara, take it away. Wow, where do I begin? I've had so many amazing opportunities. And I would say that one of the benefits of my position is I've actually had students that I've been able to work with the student and the families. Um, I have a couple of families that I've actually worked with the student from the time they were in preschool all the way through them leaving adult school and helping them transition to adult community programs. Um, I think rather than just one specific opportunity, all of us are in this for helping kids. And I think at the end of the year, we always go home and we pray that we made a difference. We hope, you know, that we're fulfilling our purpose in serving kids, but we don't always know. So it's always wonderful when we do hear, hey, you made a difference because we oftentimes don't hear that. And I can remember one day I was going for a consultation at Clovis North and I had parked my car and I was walking to the office to check in and I hear this woman yelling 
hey, hey, you, weren't you the psychologist at Fugman? And I turned and I recognized the parent and I said, yeah, I was. How are you? I remember you very much. Um, and her and her husband were both very um, intelligent, very well-known people in the community and in their fields and their eldest child had autism. And I had really worked in elementary school with her. He was high functioning autistic and I'd worked with the family through throughout his education in elementary school. And I don't remember this at all, but she said, I have been wanting to see you and find you because I wanted to let you know that my son is currently at West Point. She's like, and you told me all those meetings we sat in when I was crying for me to have hope that, you know, he was going to do great things that just, you know, encourage him to be him, accept him for who he is. And she's like, I'll tell you when I used to cry and you told me that I didn't believe you at all. She's like, but it was right. You proved me right. And I've been wanting to run into you so I could let you know that he's at West Point. And I've had so many wonderful comments, you know, about someone telling me, oh, I remember you saying this in a meeting, or I remember you giving me this advice. And I feel bad because I don't remember it at all, but it's amazing that, you know, people hold on to those things. And when they come back and they let you know, it's, it's just so fulfilling because you want to hope you make a difference. I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do is because we care about kids. And so I cherish those stories or comments, emails, texts, how, you know, whenever I get them. They're important to me. Yeah, I mean that that affirmation, right, is really is really important, right? It, 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 I think you used the exact right word, right? It's it's fulfilling. It like it tells you, right, that that hope that you have at the end of every year that you you've done something that you've made a difference, and you know, every once in a while, right, we run into yeah. somebody or somebody kind of messages us on Facebook or whatever and says, "Yeah, you were you were you were doing the right thing, and it was important." Right. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. key. What we do is important. It keeps us going because what we do is hard. Yeah, we don't hard. do it because it's easy. We we do something that's very hard and we do it from the heart. And we do it knowing that we may not get what affirmation, but you know, just that one can kind of fill your tank for a long, long time. Um, indeed. All right. Tamara, that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Clovis educators and all of you out there that have tuned in, we thank you for joining us in the conversation. To engage further, you can find us at www.cloviseducators.org and at our Instagram handle at Clovis Educators. Remember, there is nothing wrong about having this conversation. You cannot legally be punished for participating, asking questions, listening to this podcast, attending a meeting, and ultimately, if you choose to, signing the union support petition. These are your legally protected rights. We are ACE, we love Clovis Unified, and we will see you next time on the ACE Public.